Welcome to The Catch-Up, a Westwood Westwood podcast. And now your host, Teddy Tutson. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to another edition of The Catch-Up, a Westwood Westwood podcast. I am your host, Teddy Tutson, here to break down this past week's happenings in news and politics. And ho, 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 is there lots to cover. The Voterama in the Senate on healthcare, transgender people potentially being banned from serving in the military, much, much more. Plus, our guest this week, the hilarious comedian Amelia Barras, here to talk about some of the larger-than-life characters that we are following every day in the White House. Remember, you can check out all kinds of quality content from Westwood Westwood online at westwoodwestwood.com or on Facebook at Westwood Westwood online or Twitter at Reed Westwood. Plus, remember to subscribe to the catch up on iTunes and leave a review and some stars. Show us some love in the comment section. Well, let's get right into it. The latest on Senate Republicans efforts to finally, finally pass a health care bill in their efforts to repeal the Affordable Care Act to get rid of the scourge known as Obamacare. Mitch McConnell, finally, after so long, so hard of trying to put together the votes on the motion to proceed, was able to do it. After all this time, he can finally open the vote to just be considered. Can we just sit down to talk about it like people, like human beings? Well, yes, Mitch, we can. But, oh, was it close indeed. Two Republicans voting no. Susan Collins, who we have documented very thoroughly as a strong, consistent no throughout this process, as well as the senator from Alaska, Lisa Murkowski, joining her in voting no. And as you may remember, John McCain recently diagnosed with brain cancer, been undergoing treatment in Arizona, comes back for this vote. All kinds of pressure on John McCain about voting no on the motion to proceed. Stop this travesty, this calamity. There's been absolutely no openness, no transparency, no input from anybody outside of these limited Senate Republicans. Let's have a real bipartisan discussion, right, John? John McCain comes back dramatically to the Senate and votes yes on the motion to proceed, and it passes 51-50 with Mike Pence breaking the tie. All 48 members of the Democratic caucus staying together, forcing Mitch McConnell to rely on Mike Pence to come out and break the tie. A lot of people were very upset with John McCain, disgusted, frustrated, fed the entire hell up. John McCain, after he gave his yes vote, delivered remarks on the Senate floor where he excoriated his Republican colleagues and their lack of efforts on accomplishing anything. Because as we have pointed out repeatedly on this show, yes, we may be proceeding to have a vote, but what the hell are we voting on? There ain't no damn bill. We got three damn bills, huh? We ain't got a bill. So aware of all of this hullabaloo around his yes vote on this motion to proceed, John McCain lays down these remarks. Take a a brief listen to some of what John McCain shared with his colleagues in the Senate. 
We're getting nothing done, my friends. We're getting nothing done. And all we've really done this year is confirm Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. Our health care insurance system is a mess. We all know it. Those who support Obamacare and those who oppose it. Something has to be done. We Republicans have looked for a way to end it and replace it with something else without paying a terrible political price. We haven't found it yet, and I'm not sure we will. All we've managed to do is make more popular a policy that wasn't very popular when we started trying to get rid of it. I voted for the motion to proceed to allow debate to continue and amendments to be offered. I will not vote for this bill as it is today. It's a shell of a bill right now. We all know that. I have changes urged by my state's governor that will have to be included to earn my support for final passage of any bill. I know many of you will have to see the bill change substantially for you to support it. We've tried to do this by coming up with a proposal behind closed doors in consultation with the administration, then springing it on skeptical members, trying to convince them that it's better than nothing. That it's better than nothing? Asking us to swallow our doubts and force it past a unified opposition. I don't think that's going to work in the end, and probably shouldn't. That is ruthless. He is condemning the entire process behind the creation of this bill. We have got nothing done, not just on this bill, but as a majority. And you can understand people's frustration when you say that everything we have done is trash. All our efforts are trash. Our accomplishments don't even exist. And if they did exist, they too would also be trash accomplishments. But nonetheless, John McCain says, go ahead, let us have this voterama. And now, because there is no one bill, Republicans end up having to vote on three different plans about how to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. These are the plans. Repeal and replace, a partial repeal, and then the so-called skinny repeal, which is horribly named in terms of conveying accurate information about what this bill would do, but brilliantly designed because it minimizes the scope of the damage that it would cause if it's enacted and becomes law, which is very significant. First up for Senate Republicans to vote on repeal and replace in the form of the Better Care Reconciliation Act. Now, there are two forms of this bill. One includes Ted Cruz's amendment. One does not. Ted Cruz's amendment, again, allows insurers to sell plans that do not comply with regulations imposed by the Affordable Care Act so long as they sell plans that do. This essentially allows insurers to charge people for pre-existing conditions and give them higher premiums based off of their health history. Another difference with this version of the BCRA is that it keeps in place taxes on high-income earners. Previously, those had been eliminated. Obviously, that's what Republicans do. You ain't going to be charging us no taxes. They stay in place this time. So between that and the Senate parliamentarian saying that certain aspects of the bill are in violation of the reconciliation procedures, this bill needed 60 votes to pass. In the end, Republicans could only muster 43 votes in favor of this version of repeal and replace, with nine Republicans crossing over to join 48 Democrats and killing the bill 57-43. Next up on the docket, it's partial repeal, 
a bill that is similar to the 2015 repeal bill that Republicans sent to Barack Obama's desk and he hit with the veto pen. This is the bill favored by Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky and a lot of other conservatives who have wanted a full repeal of the Affordable Care Act. It repeals a lot of the coverage provisions in the Affordable Care Act, like the Medicaid expansion and the individual mandate and premium subsidies. When the Congressional Budget Office took a look at this bill, they ended up estimating that about 32 million more people would be without health insurance than under current law. And that is the most out of any of the Republican proposals, a very dubious distinction to say the least. This bill also went down in defeat, with seven Republicans this time crossing over to join all 48 members of the Democratic caucus in voting against the partial repeal. And then all hell broke loose. The only bill left was something called the skinny repeal bill. Nobody knew what this bill was. Nobody knew what it did because the bill didn't even exist until last Thursday night when Republican leaders were scrambling to basically eliminate the least popular parts of the Affordable Care Act, like the individual mandate, the employer mandate. It wouldn't touch Medicaid. You can stay there. Y'all mad about Medicaid? Fine. We'll leave it in place. But listen to what Lindsey Graham had to say about the skinny repeal bill that his colleagues were putting together. Policy is a disaster. The skinny bill as a replacement for Obamacare is a fraud. The skinny bill is a vehicle to get in conference to find a replacement. It is not a replacement in of itself. The policy is terrible because you eliminate the individual employer mandate, which we all want eliminated, but we actually have an overall solution to the problem of Obamacare. So you're going to have increased premiums, and most of Obamacare stays in place if the skinny bill becomes law. Not only do we not replace Obamacare, we politically own the collapse of health care. I'd rather get out of the way and let it collapse than have a half-ass approach where it is now our problem. We politically own the collapse of health care. If that is not a warning call to, yo, what the fuck are y'all doing? I don't know what is. And yet, as we hurled towards the vote going down, more and more Republican senators seem to be leaning back towards yes after saying they were never vote for a bill like this. People like Shelley Moore Capito and Rob Portman and Dean Heller were boxed in, it seemed like. And as we got closer to the vote, it was down to Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and John McCain, who had flown back and let y'all know what time it was. This is a shitty process. It's a garbage product. What are you doing with your life? Right before the vote, John McCain was asked if he knew how he was going to vote. He said yes. A reporter asked him how, and he said, quote, wait for the show. And the streets were not disappointed. Your man John McCain came out and hit him with a fucking gladiator thumbs down, son. For all intents and purposes, killing Republican efforts to repeal the Affordable Care Act in a partisan fashion. So does this mean that the fight over health care is done? 
Well, maybe for the time being, but Mitch McConnell can always bring this bill back up, contrary to some of the things you may have seen floating around from Reddit on the internet. And also, as you've seen, he has 49 votes for a repeal in some form and fashion that he has been able to cobble together. But there's only so much time on the calendar to pass all these bills, and tax reform is looming heavy on the horizon. So, will Mitch McConnell expend any energy bringing up health care reform for another vote? That probably depends on how likely he is to be pressured by Donald Trump's Twitter fingers. Next up, the potential reinstatement of the ban on transgender individuals serving in the military in any capacity. Seemingly out of nowhere last week, Donald Trump on Twitter said that he had consulted with his generals and military experts and would not accept or allow any transgender individuals to serve in the military in any capacity, a reversal of a rule that was approved by the Defense Department under President Obama. To say that this caught people by surprise would be a gross understatement. The Pentagon had no idea that this was coming at all. They were completely surprised like the rest of us general ass plebes by the president of the United States tweeting policy out for the entire world to process in real time. How about the Joint Chiefs of Staff, including the chairman? They didn't know shit either. In fact, it seems like the only person, according to reporting, who the president might have run this by beforehand was Defense Secretary Mattis, who is currently on vacation. So even though the president of the United States announced this change via his Twitter account, as of right now, the policy for the military is that transgender people can continue to serve because there hasn't been any guidance from the White House. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Joseph Dunford, basically said the policy isn't going to change until the White House sends the Defense Department new rules and the Secretary of Defense issues new guidelines. Until then, let all the transgender people serve their country in the military if they want to and they can pass our rigorous standards if they are still rigorous. Outside of the blatant fear-mongering against one of the most vulnerable populations in the country right now, it just goes to show you how dysfunctional the executive branch and, by extension, the rest of the government has become. You can't just change rules by issuing off tweets. There's actual mechanisms of government that need to be initiated. You instead have people running around the Pentagon who don't know a damn idea about what the hell is supposed to happen. How the hell is this going to work when we have a real crisis? The answer is that it won't. And on that uplifting note, there's no better time to introduce our guest this week on The Catch-Up, the fantastic comedian Amelia Barras. I'm joined this week on The Catch-Up by the very, very funny Amelia Barras. She's worked the last two seasons for HBO's Veep. You can also check out her comedy special, Headlong into the Apocalypse, available online. She is a great friend of mine and one of my favorite comedians working in the game right now. Amelia, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you? Oh, my God. So good to be here, Teddy. That sounds great. I have a lot to live up to now. Yeah. That, how does it feel hearing all your credits like laid out like that? If it, yeah, it, it, it's very intimidating. I'm intimidated of myself. <laughs> uh, it's good to talk to you. It's been a, it's been a while since I've seen you uh, on stage performing. How's it, how's it going? Yeah, I've been hiding in the bomb shelter I made. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty smart. <laughs> I've been stocking up on water and spam. I've been following along uh, with, your, with your social media <laughs> posts. I feel like... I feel like you and uh, and I both, we were kind of just, uh, you know, chatting a little bit before the show, but we're both kind of still shell-shocked that it's only been, let's say, maybe six, seven months now. Uh, yeah. And so yeah. many things have happened that it's impossible to wrap your mind around. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I every time when when they were like, you know, it's, it's been six months of Trump, I was like, it's everyone that I talked to were like, it feels like it's been 16 years. Like, I, it feels like I don't remember the time before Trump. And like, you know, you were talking about <clears throat> Twitter and like, like, I, you know, I'm a comedian, so I try to keep my Twitter posts funny. And all the time I'm like, I should I should really uh, write some jokes that aren't that aren't like you know, doomsday posts about Trump. <laughs> but then I just, but then I just read through my Twitter feed and it's all just sad, depressing. It, it, it's just, it's just posts about how the world is ending. Yeah. And then it's, and then it's tweeting at different representatives, like, <laughs> fuck you, you're scum, scum of the earth. How could you, it's just, a I feel lo- like that's it, a quintessential American experience now. Like, yeah. like regardless of if you have kids or whatever, let's say you've got nieces and nephews or you just, you know, run an orphanage or something and people yeah. ask you, <laughs> you know, like 30 years from now, they're like, what did you do when, when, you know, uh, we were, uh, just diving into the doomsday at, into the pool and you're like, you know what I did? I, I tweeted <laughs> a hell of a lot. Let me tell I you. I added everybody in Congress. Yeah, sure they knew. Oh, yeah, exactly. I tweeted at every single asshole and I offered my hot takes like you would not believe. Uh, Here's something you touched on that I know I struggle with as well, too, which is, you know, uh, I've always had sort of that political bent uh, to to my sort of perspective and interest and such. But then when it comes to jokes, you're kind of like, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to necessarily tell you. I'm not talking about policy. Like, you know what grinds my gears about our you know, <laughs> tariff policy? Like, I'm not trying to get into that kind of. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, that that like you said, it's so if you talk about politics, it's very dystopian. Right. It's kind of yeah. weird to be like, hey, we're all Americans and, you know, we can just fit patch this thing up yeah you know it feels like no it's the end is nigh like how do you balance just like telling regular jokey jokes I feel like yeah I I struggle with things that are like you know something wacky happened at the 7-eleven to me Uh, right yeah well I mean there's one thing doing it in stand-up but like especially you know on Veep like we're struggling to come up with things that are still funny and ridiculous you know because nothing is ridiculous anymore, you know, like the Trump administration, the Trump administration is killing satire, you know, because like the originally, the funny thing about Veep is that like, you look at politicians and you think, and, and like behind the sheen of like political correctness, there's like, there's huge incompetence and that's funny to show. Whereas now they were the incompetence on the outside. I mean, like that is their administration is like incompetence. Like that's the point. That's what people like, you know, is that like, hey, they're not good at this. They're like us. They yeah, don't do you, know what, what the, they're doing. Yeah, they're dumb fucks. They're learning on the job. What are you guys? Yeah, they, uh, they have no idea what they're doing. And that makes me feel like they're like me. And I want <laughs> you know, I mean, it's so fucking dumb. I but no, I, go ahead. But no, but, but, but speaking of doing stand up, I have gone like so dark on stage and it'll like start like, you know, you know, like I'll, I'll touch on something broad and people will laugh. And then I'll get more specific and there will be less laughter and less laughter until people are like, wow, wow, shit sucks. And this isn't even <laughs> funny. This is not funny now. Like, wow, she's she's right. What and happened to my escapism? Yeah, like, no, I think I think the thing about Veep that's interesting to me is I started watching later after it already been on a few years. Uh, and I never really got in the house of cards because I felt like <laughs> it was too it was like they asked me to do too much to believe that there was this Democrat in South Carolina who had been there for 20 years. And I was like, stop, stop. 
I can't Stop. do it. I'm no. out. I'm out. Fuck this show. Yeah. I don't give a damn how good Kevin Spacey is. I'm not doing this. Yeah. Uh, and I bowed out like halfway through the pilot. I was like, this is bullshit. All of this. But I feel like the thing that Veep captures about American politics better than House of Cards is that so many people, even the well-intentioned, like smart ones, never know what the fuck is going on. Right. Yeah. Like this Senate vote that happened where senators were like, I have no idea what's in the fucking bill. And people were like, holy shit, this is crazy. I feel like I feel like that, yeah. that shit happens all the time where like someone hears about something happening on the radio and they're like, hey, how come I wasn't invited to that committee hearing? And you're like, oh, yeah. shit, I don't know. Oh, and, and, and now it's become clear that that shit is happening all the time in like a very real way. You can't I mean, even my pretend favorite, that it's not happening. My, I mean, I just love that everybody is getting fired and they're hearing about it on the news that they've been fired. The, like they're yeah. not even I mean, they're not like they're not even being fired by the people that are supposed to fire them. They're getting fired like <laughs> by hearing about it. Yeah, you're. I mean, think about how many people now have been fired while while discovering it on TV from James Comey, who was across the oh. country talking at to an F FBI yeah, event, and they were at like, an FBI event. You know, he. You know what it reminded me of when it happened because he's talking, and then he saw the Chiron, and then someone was like, "Hey, dude, you should look at the TV." And he's like, oh, that's a very funny joke, was his like initial reaction. It reminded me of that scene in Anchorman when Ron Burgundy and uh, you know Veronica, she's like, remember I told you I wanted to be an anchor woman? He's like, I wrote it down <laughs> in my journal. It was a very funny joke. Veronica <laughs> made a very, like, yeah. that's, That was like James Comey's reaction to be like, you can't possibly expect me to believe that I, as FBI director, am being fired while I'm talking to the FBI well, yeah, while watching while, television. This yeah, is, because get the fuck out of here. Yeah, no, I feel like James Comey's first thought is, well, am I buying my flight back now? Like, what's the... <laughs> so, like, uh, does the per diem still come Yeah, that, that's my or... first thought. Yeah. Is, like, do I still get the hotel for the rest of the time I'm here? Like, wh so, what's the? what do I do? I mean, it's incredible that as much as we talk about, you know, reality TV presidency, it really is happening in that way. Like... You th the from the press conferences to the social media aspect to these like to the fact that you know I mean we have the New York Times printing suck my own cock yeah for the I mean, oh like, and and, they, and I love and they did it and kudos to the New York Times for letting it fly because yeah oh my god I, when I I mean like it's so clear that Trump is is still doing his PR like it's a reality show. By his tweets, when at the end of the tweet he'll say, "Stay tuned." It's like, what? What the fuck do you mean, "Stay tuned"? You mean just keep living in America? <laughs> because we're st we fucking live. We're not like you're the president twenty four seven. You know, you don't. We're not gonna like tune in at nine p.m. to watch an hour of you being the president. You know, like right. it doesn't it doesn't work that way. You I, yeah, I mean, I think what I I'm imagining one of the challenges, like you said, for Veep is sort of keeping the show grounded in reality without it like you know and i feel like it's so hard now because there are so many things that if you were to just pitch them as an idea even a year ago six months ago someone would say get the fuck out of here that's ludicrous. Oh, 100%. and i yeah. think a perfect example is um with the the transgender person ban in the military on twitter from trump where there was like the nine minutes between him actually announcing what the the policy was that he had said, you know, after recommend like after consideration with generals, and I can't, I can't remember which outlet it was that reported it, but they basically said like 
the Pentagon was like, holy shit, are we about to strike North Korea? Like, what the fuck is about to happen? Because you, yeah. you can't just dot, dot, dot the presidency. You can't just let it hang yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't oh, yeah. treat that with, like, you're waiting to make dinner plans with your homie. And you're like, come on, dude, finish the text. Like, oh, I'm no. starving. Yeah. Well, and, and it, like, and, and when you're saying, you know, like, trying to keep things grounded in reality, like, you know, but like in the in the early seasons of the show, you know, you'd watch it and you'd watch these incompetent politicians and you'd be like, oh, these people are so funny. This is so funny, blah, blah, blah. But like now you're watching it and you're like, oh, this guy reminds me of this actual person. <laughs> this guy reminds me of this actual person. You know, like they they like the the ridiculousness. It, like it's not just like these funny characters on TV. It's like, oh, who is this person modeled after? Yeah, because everything it's they're a doing almost, right? reminds me of exact things that have happened. Who do you, you know? think in the White House currently, or maybe recently exited, uh, would fit in best with Selena Meyer's staff on Veep? Oh my god! I, I mean, I mean, I don't want to be that guy to say it, but like literally everybody. <laughs> You think Literally you everybody. slide in everyone and they would just hit the ground running? Well, just, I mean, Sean, Spusher, Sean Spicer hiding in the bushes, you know, fucking Sarah Huckabee Sanders reading a letter <laughs> from a kid named Pickle. Right, right. I mean, I like, still, honestly, I'll be honest with you. I still do not know how I feel about Pickle being a real child. Yeah. I'm on I the fence. I don't feel good about it. I yeah. don't feel good about it. I certainly then, don't feel good about wondering if a child really had a Trump-themed birthday party, which if there was ever a wasteful congressional investigation, I would full, like, sponsor. Let's get well, to the I bottom was, of Pickle's birthday yeah, well, when party. He, yeah, well, when, when, when he said he had a Trump-themed birthday party, I was like, what, is it a bunch of nine-year-olds pissing on each other? Like, literally, <laughs> what the hell could a Trump birthday party be themed that isn't triple x if it's, you know if it's just a bunch of toupees being passed out at the door and <laughs> lord have lord have mercy if there are any children of color there or black kids like i'm not gonna wear this wig man nah. oh, no it's a, very no, deep, it's, it's a very deep based nine-year-old who's like nah player i'm not wearing the wig <laughs> there's no way this is i'm, I'm going home yeah i'm nah. going home there would be no party favors, that's for sure. Oh, no absolutely. one's getting anything at a Trump birthday party. And someone would probably end up getting suspended from school or expelled. Like, they would just, like, surprise, I pulled some strings with the principal. You're, you're no, not enrolled uh, anymore. Yeah, oh, either they, yeah, oh, no, they'd get expelled, but the school wouldn't tell them. Like, they would find out <laughs> yeah, by some other means. Uh, I think, honestly, if I, if I had to pick one character who I, who I think stands out amongst them, it's Reince who who just bounced i feel like his entire arc is something it's so tragic where he tried to be this company man and play by the rules and now he like he literally found out he was fired while sitting in a van while the president <laughs> tweeted from air force one and the other two like they did it really like okay everybody who still has a job take one step forward whoa right's not so fast <laughs> Like that, like oh, basically no, 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 did no, no, that to them. Yeah, he's like, well, wait, what, what? Like, and his car just drove away from the presidential caravan, <laughs> and then, and then yeah. Trump got off the. I mean, I, it, I don't feel bad for him, but oh, it I is, don't feel bad for it's anyone. Utterly humiliating to think, like, I know I've been fired in some shitty ways, and nobody else knew about it, and I was still like, Lord, this is a low. 
<laughs> oh, and I and I love that the next day Ryan's was like, "Oh, I I resigned privately yesterday." It's like, yeah, "No, you no, did it." No. Who do you think is believing you right now? <laughs> That's sad. I mean, it's even sadder that you're still trying to cover for this asshole. Yeah, believing like, the lie. Like, grow a pair of balls, dude, and say he he's unprofessional. The dude fired me and didn't even tell me. I covered for this asshole his entire campaign and then he like when will people grow a pair of balls i feel like they'll grow them once the book deal money comes and they cash the advance check and then and, I, then, and then and then it'll be death by a thousand cuts but until yeah. until until they actually sign a contract they'll just smile and uh we'll have to hear about sean spicer on dancing with the stars I think wait, that's wait. Is that really a thing that's happening? Is that's, that really happening? You know, the, those rumors are floating out there. He's also talked. I think the four networks he talked with were like the big three: ABC, CBS, uh, NBC, and then uh, Fox News uh, <sighs> about potential deals. So spicy, spicy ain't done yet, baby. Oh my god! There's, there's well, a lot of third acts to to be had here. Well, and, and like when you were talking about the whole Ryan's previous thing and like feeling bad for him and being surprised that you feel bad for him, I've never felt more strange emotions for people that I hate than in the Trump administration. <laughs> because people like I hate everybody, but then everyone is constantly it's so in flux about like where they stand, you know, and it's like I've, you know, like, for instance, I never thought I'd feel bad for Jeff Sessions. And I don't feel bad for Jeff Sessions because he's, you know, evil. <laughs> but like but 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 just hearing Trump railing on him all the time, it's like, wow, I kind of feel bad for this guy, even though he's sucks. I don't oh, know no, where I it's coming it's, from. I think it comes from like a basic professionalism, like competence. <laughs> just like, the goodness. You know, like I think that's part of it where you're like you know, mm, fuck you, Jeff Sessions, because you're so good at doing things that I don't like. You know what I mean? Like locking yeah. up brown and black people. But, you know, and then you're like, from a professional level, you would at least think that, like, well, at least this guy respects him. He's a ride or die. He Like, like Jeff Sessions yeah. hadn't endorsed anyone, I don't think, in his 20-so-odd years in, in the Senate. And then oh, finally yeah. jumps in and then just gets... Just, I mean, like, like if you had a boss, I've had boss, I had a boss who like forced me to give her one of my boneless buffalo wings when she, wasn't, no. when she wasn't paying me anything in front of everyone, right? Like she had, she had just like, oh, oh boy, I, I, if I got into it, Amelia, if I got into it, the things I did in that job, the the, uh. but one day she stood over my shoulder and she was like, oh, those look good, and I was like, yup. I was like, yup. And then she goes, oh, this is the part where you're supposed to offer me one. And I was like, mm -mm, I'm not familiar with that part. I'm not aware. Oh, you stood up for yourself? I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm not aware of that part. And by the, at this point, things were like towards the end of our, you know, uh, tenuous short yeah. relationship of like 10 months. And then she stood there and she goes, but I want one. And I, oh I put one on a fork and I put it over my shoulder. And I was like, well, then get it off the fork. <laughs> And she took it. And she took yeah. it. She still took it. But damn it, oh. that day I, I was a man. I you, you, you felt <laughs> you felt like the, Jeff Sessions yeah, in, a, in that yeah. moment. Yeah. And so like I, you're just like, holy shit, man! You must like but, really enjoy what you do every day when you wake up in order to put up with this. But that's that's the insane reality of the world that we're living in: is that a person like you, for a second, knows what it's like to be a 
person like fucking Jefferson Beauregard <laughs> Sessions. Did you ever think there would be a time where you're Never. like, yeah, I kind of know what it's like to be him. Never I, and there's a slice of life. wildest dreams that I think I would be able to step, step, step into his Alabama elfin shoes El- and figure <laughs> out what this, I mean, like, but you're right. I mean, it has forced you to like, even though you have very definitive principles and, and you don't agree with people ideologically or whatever, you're just like, on a basic decently sea level, this is not how I think we should do business. Probably no. shouldn't happen this way. Just, yeah. Um, I want to ask you one last question before you get out of here, which is, uh, do you feel like the increase in casual swearing in politics is a good thing because it was remember it was like i feel like two weeks ago that people were mad at tom perez because he said shit a lot and now we're kind of we've already raced to sucking cock uh, right wait oh so i i just i just want to make sure that i'm clear are you asking me if you think something happening right now is a good thing (laughs) yes yeah that's correct are are you are you wondering if there's anything (laughs) right now that i think that's happening that's good yeah no my answer my answer for you surprisingly is no I don't think there is anything that's happening right now that is positive. I promise you, everything that's happening right now is bad. I started this interview off by telling you I have a bomb shelter. I don't say that lightly. I don't I don't plan on society being here a hell of a lot longer. That would I make fully, sense. I fully believe I am the last generation. I, and I and I'm proud and I'm proud and I'm scared. <laughs> And I'm sad. Oh, but I'm oh, living. Oh my goodness, Amelia Barras, thank you so much. And that <laughs> and you can get more of that on Headlong into the Apocalypse. There is just a sample for you. <laughs> uh, I called it, dude. Can I just say yeah. that, like, I called it that yeah, we, we were running. This was a stand-up special last year. That material I created over the years before it. So, like, I've been telling people the end is nigh for years. You and I are on the same wavelength because, you as, you know, I have ain't going to be no peace on this end yeah, of the fence. So right. if you just want a good, like, two hours of just mm, right there dystopian hilarity, just put yeah. on that headlong in the apocalypse, ain't going to be no peace. Just shuffle the tracks up. And yeah, just, right. Just, just get it. Just get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whose stand-up special was more foreboding about the end of days? <laughs> Let's uh, play yeah, that game. Know. That's uh, great. Where can they Where can they tweet at you for more information oh, and hilarity um, tweet, about the apocalypse or Facebook or whatever? Go ahead right. and play yourself. E- even though my Twitter is just the, the, the rantings of a person who knows the world is going to end, it's uh, tweet me at at Eberos too. And then uh, are you, you got any shows or anything coming up? Yeah, I'm going to be on the show Put Your Hands Together in uh, in August at UCB. That one's going to be a fun fun one. And uh, yeah, and, and just and just like me on Facebook for all my show updates. All right. Believe me, you're going to want them. You're going to want to <laughs> see this shit in person, live. It, trust me, it's great. It is it is good. When she when she lets that fastball loose, you are <laughs> You're like, everything sucks, but I'm enjoying it. It's a good time. Everything sucks, but we're laughing on the way out. Uh, Amelia, thank you so much for joining me on the show, and uh, I will see you soon. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks, Teddy. All right, take it easy. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of The Catch-Up. 
Thanks again to my guest, Amelia Barras, for joining me on this episode. And thanks to you as well for listening once again. Be sure to check out quality content from Westwood Westwood Online. You can do that at westwoodwestwood.com or on Facebook at Westwood Westwood Online, Twitter at Reed Westwood, or on SoundCloud at Westwood Westwood. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Catch-Up with Teddy Tutson, a Westwood Westwood podcast.